Hi, and welcome to our fourth Universalist service video. My name is Ember Kelly, and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society. I use she and her pronouns, and thank you so much for joining us. What follows are, are selections from our service on September 5th, 2021, Dealing with Failure with Reverend Mark Cotolo, our Summer Minister. In this video, you'll hear the reading and the reflection. Following that, we hope you'll join us for a lively discussion where we go deeper into the service themes together. You're invited to check out our video and audio podcast each week. It's available and posted on our website, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, as well as most of your favorite podcast streaming sites. If you like what we see, we hope that you'll give us a positive review. The likes, the comments, the shares, and the subscribing, that all helps to spread forth Universalist media further. Finally, we acknowledge that our community is located on the land of the Munse Lenape peoples. We acknowledge their community, past, present, and future. Fourth Universalist Society acknowledges that it was founded upon exclusions and erasures of many BIPOC peoples, including those who's on whose land this institution is located. With this acknowledgement, we seek to continue the process of dismantling the ongoing legacies of settler colonialism, white supremacy, as well as other forms of oppression. We invite you to join us in this work as we seek to embrace and live out the eighth principle. Thank you again for watching. We begin with our reading. Today's reading is by Rabbi Nundranath Tagore, who was a Bengali poet, writer, playwright, composer, philosopher, social reformer, and painter. He's recognized for reshaping Bengali literature and music, as well as Indian art with contextual, contextual modernism in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Let me not pray to be sheltered from dangers but to be fearless in facing them. Let me not beg for the stilling of my pain, but for the heart to conquer it. Let me not look for allies in life's battlefield, but to my own strength. Let me not crave an anxious fear to be saved, but hope for the patience to win my freedom. Grant me that I may not be a coward, feeling your mercy in my success alone. But let me grasp, let me find the grasp of your hand in my failure. Here ends the reading. As an ordained minister and psychotherapist, I spend a lot of my time listening to people describe their failures. Failures and disappointments can be experienced for all sorts of reasons. Failing an exam or a course, a marriage or other romantic relationship coming to an end, the loss of a job or a home, having difficulty overcoming an addiction, feeling targeted or excluded by others, feeling like one has let oneself or one's family down, not having the size or body image one desires to have, not being socially popular enough, 
or not living up to one's highest moral standing. Unless I'm working with a completely narcissistic client, the people I treat and minister to tend to be far more critical of themselves than they would ever be of a, a friend or stranger in a similar circumstance. The sense of failure that I encounter in those I serve tends to manifest as depression, self-blame, guilt, hopelessness, or distress. When someone is feeling especially down about a perceived failure or regret or something that went unexpectedly badly, I encourage the person to tell me what advice that person would give to a good friend in a similar predicament. Inevitably, the person expresses some advice or sentiment which is kind, gentle, and compassionate. Highlighting this discrepancy between what a person feels about themselves and what someone would say about a friend usually helps a person to see what I see, that while perceived failures are regrettable, they are rarely a good reason to excessively punish oneself. Of course, what I'm saying now about failure may seem obvious, but it's also true that schools and families often don't teach young people how to handle failure or disappointment. We focus our efforts on helping people to succeed, but we forget that in order for someone to have emotional intelligence, a person has to be able to cope with the inevitable frustration one encounters due to failure or disappointment. While failure on a personal level is something that touches every life, we are also acutely aware of failures on a larger scale. In a highly interconnected world where information is transmitted instantaneously, we quickly become cognizant of the failures which plague our public institutions, our nation, and the wider world. We get frustrated because we imagine that if only someone with more authority than we have were to do something the way we wish they would, then all would be well and failure could be avoided. I see and hear and read this frustration being amplified in our common life these days about two topics, the COVID-19 pandemic and the withdrawal of American troops from Afghanistan. Regarding the pandemic, many feel frustrated that the post-pandemic summer we all hoped for was far more brief and fragile than any of us who were cheering on the vaccination effort could have ever imagined. With the spread of the Delta variant of the novel coronavirus in every state and territory, we have had to come to terms with the reality that despite the best efforts of our elected leaders, public health officials, doctors, and scientists, we simply do not have the power to prevent the virus from doing what viruses are biologically designed to do, which is to reproduce and invade more hosts by any means necessary. We are powerless to force or mandate that every single person receive a vaccination, whether the person wants it or not. We are powerless to engineer our universe to prevent another global pandemic in the future. We are upset that the pandemic has happened at this moment in history in our lifetime. We are upset that despite massive amounts of information, education, and incentives, 
that not everyone shares the same standards of safety or views on preventive measures that we do. And perhaps most of all, we are upset that we can imagine a better, healthier world where we could eradicate this pandemic quickly and effectively, and yet not everyone shares that same goal or the same way of achieving that goal. The same applies to the incredible drama of the past few weeks in Afghanistan. I will never forget how we were gathered together on Zoom for Sunday morning worship on August 15th. And of course, we were all aware of how the Taliban were successfully increasing the size of the territory they control. But on that morning, we, re we received the news on our smartphones that the Afghan National Forces were defeated by the Taliban in the Battle of Kabul, giving the Taliban complete, complete control of the country. The inspiring sermon we heard that morning just could not compete with the news at our virtual coffee hour as we tried to make sense of the event which happened and what it meant. I reckon that many of us here were uneasy on some level about the war in Afghanistan in some way, or at least the continuation of it after the capture of Osama bin Laden in Pakistan in 2011. Nevertheless, even for those of us who were encouraged that the longest war in American history was finally coming to an end, it was still disappointing to see the manner in which the conflict concluded, even if there realistically could never be a perfect withdrawal scenario, given the scenario on the ground. We were startled by images of desperate Afghan families crowding at the international airport and even young Afghan men clinging to the sides of a departed aircraft in a vain attempt to flee a theocratic takeover. In an attempt to make sense of the debacle unfolding in Afghanistan, many blamed or were disappointed by the president's decisions and wondered aloud how it could be that a nation like ours, which spends over $700 billion on military expenses annually, which has expert intelligence and diplomatic services and unparalleled resources, could not only have lost a war in a kind of stalemate with an otherwise underwhelming opponent, but also how we could have possibly repeated history, a history which was in living memory of many people, a point which was made by those who compared the fall of Kabul to the fall of Saigon in 1975. The journalist Ezra Klein noted in the New York Times that, quote, focusing on the execution of the withdrawal is giving virtually everyone who insisted we could remake Afghanistan the opportunity to obscure their failures by pretending to believe in the possibility of a graceful departure. What our ignominious exit really reflects is the failure of America's foreign policy establishment at both prediction and policy making in Afghanistan. He then quoted Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy, who said, quote, the pro-war crowd sees this as a mechanism by which they can absolve themselves of an accounting for the last 20 years. Just think about the epic size of the policy failure. 20 years of training, more than $2 trillion worth of expenditure for almost nothing. 
It is heartbreaking to watch these images, but it is equally heartbreaking to think about all of the effort of lives and money we wasted in the pursuit of a goal that was illusory. That sense of futility and senselessness is what I imagine prompted another New York Times columnist, Ross Douthit, to write that, quote, our botched withdrawal is the punctuation mark on a general catastrophe, a failure so broad that it should demand purges in the Pentagon. Small wonder then that making Biden the singular scapegoat seems like a more attractive path. But if the only aspect of this catastrophe that our leaders remember is what went wrong in August 2021, then we'll have learned nothing except to always double down on failure. Given that failures follow us in our personal lives and in the societies we live in, what, if anything, can our faith tradition teach us about dealing with failure and disappointment beyond the outrage, despondency, and lamentation we experience all too often? Our reading by Rabindranath Tagore offers us some clues. Though he isn't as well known in our country as he is in India and in Bangladesh, Tagore was a true polymath who won the Nobel Prize in Literature and is known as the Bard of Bengal. Despite being remembered for his many accomplishments, Tagore was an unsatisfactory student who was known for his inattentiveness in class and who eventually dropped out of school. He was known to have suffered from frequent episodes of major depression and who as a young person would go for months without speaking. In his lifetime, Tagore knew both great success and failure. And I imagine the excerpt of his, which we heard this morning, reflects an ongoing struggle to find spiritual meaning in the face of life's unpredictability and disappointments. So often, the spiritual life is portrayed as being a series of blessings, good fortune, and accomplishments. And so it's no wonder then that experiencing failure and disappointment becomes a precipitating factor in the loss of faith. Tagore reimagines his faith in a startling way. He doesn't pray to be spared from evil and misfortune, but rather to be bold, wise, and fearless in facing adversity and danger. At the end of his prayer, he prays that he encounters divine mercy, not just amidst triumph and happiness, but that he finds the grasp of the divine hand in his failure. We might wonder what grasping that hand would feel like or what difference it would make. Besides normalizing the experience of failure, I imagine that it would allow one to realize that in the midst of any circumstance of failure and disappointment, one can trust that no failure is so great as to be denied the possibility of a new beginning, a fresh start, and a renewed vision of the future. Collectively and individually, we are not trapped by our past failures and disappointments, but our faith does make available to us the possibility of a conquering heart, a steadfast strength, hope, patience, and freedom.
If we can embrace this possibility, then we can be free from the doom of failure. I am so excited to get to sit down with Reverend Mark today. Reverend Mark, it's great to have you on board for what is apparently our first time actually getting to sit down <laughs> with each other for one of these. Would you like to introduce yourself for any of our listeners? Yeah, sounds good, Ember. I'm glad to be here with you too. I'm the Reverend Mark Cutolo. I'm an affiliate community minister at the Fourth Universalist Society. Um, I'm also the summer minister uh, this year, as I was last year. Um, I'm also a um, consulting minister at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Rockland. I'm also a social worker. I'm a full-time counselor. Um, and, you know, sometimes I even have free time beyond that. Um, <laughs> and, um, pronouns doesn't really matter. And um, yeah, that's me. Yeah, you know, I uh, that's, a, that's a bit of a list of, of things to imagine that you still have free time on top of that uh, is, is impressive. <laughs> you know, and that's perhaps interesting as we, as we think about um, uh, a service, a message that was all about failure. Yeah, uh, to, to think about staying busy doing all of these things. Um, you know, um, our culture sends the message of busy, busy, busy is, uh, is the best way to do things. Yeah, well, and you know, the more things you do, there's the more risk of failing at doing whatever it is you're doing. Um, so I thought that'd be a timely topic. Yes, for sure. So what inspired the message? What, what, where did this idea of a service about failure, right before we have our big joyous moment of the full open next week? Where did that come from? Yeah, you know, the thing that really inspired it was, um, you know, really what's going on in Afghanistan right now. Um, you know, a lot of people were taken aback by um, the U.S. withdrawal and how it went. And I even remember being at coffee hour, well, virtual coffee hour at Fourth U a few weeks ago when that was happening in progress. Uh, during the service. And so um, I think people were, you know, looking at their phones and, you know, hearing and seeing uh, the messages about what was going on in Kabul and Afghanistan. And, um, you know, people, of course, people wanted to talk about it. It was uh, very newsworthy. And, um, you know, the withdrawal went a lot worse than, than I think anybody expected, um, even the people who were involved in it. And it was such a, um, startling, I guess, thing for people to see, to see um, the level of failure um, unfold in front of people's eyes. Um, and there were references made to whether it was like the fall of Saigon, um, which, you know, I wasn't around for, but many of our attendees and members were and do remember it. Uh, so it's interesting to talk to them about that and the similarities versus the differences. But in any case, um, I was inspired because a lot of people were you know, upset or concerned or surprised by how things went because, you know, how is it possible that a great military power like the United States could fail so horribly at um, something that presumably had been planned and well thought out? Um, how could that even be possible? Or how could it be possible that the United States military could fail in the face of, uh, you know, people who had substandard equipment and, um, you know, just weren't as uh, sophisticated or modern in their modern warcraft or whatever. Um, so in any case, thinking about that got me thinking about failure and thinking about how all the other areas where people get uh, experience failure in their personal lives or, you know, 
uh, wider. You know, I mean, also we talk a lot about COVID-19 for obvious reasons. And people talk about the failure of, um, say, you know, to achieve the rates of vaccination that people would like to see or the failure of, um, you know, COVID transmission rates to go down. Or some people talk about the failure of the vaccines to prevent, um, you know, the Delta transmission of Delta in the way we would have hoped. And, you know, how that affected our summer that we thought was going to be different than it was. Um, so, you know, and then of course, there's always like the personal stuff too. People feel like they fail in their relationships, they fail at work, they fail in doing what they intend to do, failing to live up to their highest values. Um, so, you know, and as a counselor, I hear about failure all the time. People, uh, you know, talk about their sense of failure and how it affects their mood. So, you know, there's a lot of failure all around, you know, big, big picture, little picture. So I thought it'd be worth talking about. No, I think that makes sense. And especially, I know. I believe uh, probably a few times on these podcasts, I've I've had the chance to reflect on how uh, COVID has been this moment where a lot of people had almost like a a, a death of a of a picture that they had of what America was uh, that they realized that there there was potential for failure that it wasn't. Um, yeah, absolutely, and I think a lot of it has to do with expectations. Again, we have this expectation that because of um, <clears throat> where we are in history right now, that things like that don't happen or they don't happen here. When in fact, um, you know, while it may not have happened in our lifetimes, you know, a kind of a global respiratory infectious disease uh, event, um, you know, it's, it's, if you look at history, like it happens all the time. It just hasn't happened in our lifetime. That's all. Um, so it's really just a matter of perspective. Right. Or even uh, thinking about uh, in terms of um, an even more recent perspective is thinking about uh, the failure of um, the drainage systems uh, these last few days with the uh, with the floods and the ways that we've failed to address to have um, adequate housing. And so people have to live in substandard basement units. There's just failures upon failures that can really uh, add up there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I was reading yesterday about, you know, people were wondering why it is that um, subway tunnels essentially became sewers because of all the water coming down. And the truth is that, you know, they can pump out uh, the there's pumps in the subway. So like they're constantly pushing water out because it's underground um, and they can do something like, I don't know, like 50 gallons a second or a minute or something. But then when you have 100 gallons per second or minute or whatever it was, um, you know, it can only do so much. And so, of course, there's going to be system failure. Um, and I guess what I want to do to a certain extent in my sermon is um, to normalize the fact that failure happens. Like we, despite our best efforts, despite all of our best intentions, our technology, our effort, our planning, so on and so forth, um, you know, we might need to change our expectations about failure that even when we do you know, all of our homework and cross all of our T's and dot all of our I's and have the best of intentions, unfortunately, unexpected things happen, unexpected outcomes happen, and we experience failure, and then that affects how we feel. So I, I think it's worth kind of talking about that and normalizing the fact that, unfortunately, failures happen in our systems. Right. And not, you know, while I, while I joked that talking about failure before a big happy moment, at the same time, soft open was this process acknowledging that hey it, it's been <laughs> 18 months since we've been in person together it's it's going to take us some some uh, some failures uh, before we um have you know the audio always working correctly before mm -hmm. um you know i know 
I had my issue that if I turned too far from the mic, it wouldn't pick up my voice. The, the time for all ages, you know, you there's these little things that um, I, my attendance system like wasn't quite loading properly on one thing, and you know, you we we can't know that these are going to happen, so we have to allow allow that room for fact that failure will happen but how are we going to handle that failure absolutely absolutely and it, you know the problem is it usually catches us off guard right like for example you're talking about the soft opening at church and you know the day that we set for having the soft opening we couldn't do it because of tropical storm Henri and we planned for everything but we didn't plan for a tropical storm <laughs> you know and that's the one thing we didn't plan for and that's what happened so we had to be flexible and doesn't mean anyone you know did a bad job or you know it's people might have felt badly about it or you know uh, but just to say these things it's normal for these things to happen and we get a lot of times bent out of shape about it but i think we need to allow room for grace oh, for sure so I'm, I'm curious, as you prepared this message, as you worked on this week's service, uh, what resources did you like draw from or were useful to you? Maybe like a book or anything that you'd recommend to people? For sure. So, um, you know, of course, one of the things I drew on was just my own personal experience of being um, a counselor and being a minister. Um, you know, I've experienced uh, failures or talked to people about failures and uh, counseled people about failures. So part of it's just my own experience. Um, and then part of it was this uh, beautiful prayer that I found in our hymnal by the great Bengali poet uh, Rabindranath Tagore, uh, who I've long admired, but I've, you know, certainly not an expert in his work. Um, and he wrote a beautiful, beautiful uh, poem. I'm just going to read the, actually the last line of it. So it's it's a prayer and um, talking about strength and you know wanting to be fearless and those things. And it ends with. But, and this is addressed to a higher power, but let me find the grasp of your hand in my failure. And I think that is so countercultural. Um, we look for a higher power in our blessings, in good things that happen, when we're feeling good, when things are going our way, when things are going the way we think that they should go. Um, we rarely or never uh, invoke God or a higher power uh, when things are going bad. And so to see God's hand um, in one's failure is just so countercultural. It, it honestly reminds me of, um, you know, some things that Jesus of Nazareth taught, like when he said, when he's recorded saying in the Gospels that, you know, pray for your enemies. That is to me, like, pray for your enemies is like in the same classes, let me find your hand in my failure. Um, it's just not even if you're raised in traditions that teach these things, it's really not the normative part of our traditions. And I think it's worth highlighting those things. Oh, for sure. So, you know, you talk about uh, your experiences in terms of pastoral care, in terms of uh, counseling and such. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, like how, what, what wisdom, obviously you've already, you offer some in the message, but what wisdom do we have as far as how to reframe failure in our own minds so that we can deal with it in more healthy ways? Yeah, I would say number one, even though we rarely expect failure, it's okay to, um, it's okay to accept that that happens, right? Like a lot of times we experience failure and then what do we do? We blame ourselves, we feel guilty, we say, well, I should have done this, or I should have done that, or I could have, 
you know, known this, or I could have done more research on this, or if only I had dot, 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 you know, right? And um, those things may or may not be true, but at the end of the day, um, what's happened has happened, and we can accept the fact that unfortunately, th these things happen, and we live in a universe where failures happen. So that's number one. And number two, you know, a lot of times when uh, fail things that we experience as failures happen, um, we don't really, um, first of all, we personalize them, you know, which is the thing, it's like, this is happening to me or my, my community, my family, my congregation, my country, my society, my generation, my era. And, you know, it's okay to say, well, to step back and say like, this is probably not a unique experience. Like it's not all about me and my failure. Like, you know, it's okay to kind of normalize the fact that everyone experiences failure and every culture experiences failure and every generation has its failures. And that's okay too. Of course, you know, we, we don't have to be stuck in our failures. You know, every day is a new day, right? We have the grace to start over again. And it doesn't have to be the end of the world. It's very rare for a failure to be like completely catastrophic. Um, so, I mean, I even think about like, um, you know, some things that have like really bad things that have happened. Like I think about the explosion in the port of Beirut last summer. Um, that was truly like, if you looked up the definition of failure in the dictionary, there's probably a picture of that, you know, it's like the largest non-nuclear explosion ever in world history. Um, that is a colossal failure. And, you know, somehow, some way, people, um, you know, in that part of the world are literally picking up the pieces, um, you know, have resilience, which I know they're probably tired of hearing how resilient they are, because, um, you know, you can only be, you don't have to be resilient all the time. Um, but at the same time, you know, that that's just the fact that people uh, move on from failure and failure is not the end of the story. I think that's, you know, that's a lot of truth there. And yeah, I mean, it's really important that we both, you know, do try to be resilient in the face of failure. We're also not holding ourselves to this perfection that we always have to be resilient that, you know, that it's okay for, for failure to get to us. It's okay for failure to bother us, you know, that those are normal human feelings. Like that's, that's part of life. It totally is. And I think it's worth, you know, sharing that in a spiritual community because, um, you know, I'm sure similar to you, you know, I grew up hearing gospel stories about, um, you know, like what Jesus says to be perfect, you know, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And that's uh, something that, you know, if you grew up in that tradition, that's something you strive for or imagine what that would be like and what you have to do to achieve it. And, um, you know, I maybe one day that'll be another sermon. Like, what what can we learn from that message, or how can we reframe that? Um, because um, can you imagine even being close to being as perfect as, as the heavenly Father? I, I just can't even imagine what that would be like. That would be incredible. That would literally be paradise. But uh, I don't know if that's really, you know, feasible. Right, right. We gotta we gotta ground ourselves in in realizing that we are human and that that. Uh, is something we can strive towards, but maybe not that we will uh, plan on reaching anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, Reverend Mark, thank you so much for sitting down with me to to talk and to share a little bit more about our, our message this week. Absolutely. Very welcome, Amber. Thanks for inviting me.